This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm hanging in there, Josh. I officially moved this weekend, so my life is kind of in disarray. Um, but it was like when I rearranged my whole living life, I felt like I also had to rearrange my fantasy team. So I wild carded going into 33, just like you. So we have a lot to debrief on <laughs> yeah. as we're sort of like coming out of game week 33. Like, how did things go? Yep. Are we feeling good? Home stretch is the home stretch, so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a you've you've, you've, you've moved this weekend. Uh, you've had a pretty chaotic season, and so you know it, it's it's but it's it's no problem, Brandon. When there is only one set of audio track prints, uh, that's when I carried you on this week's pod. Okay? <laughs> Very so, good. Yes. Um, so you and I both wild carded this weekend. Uh, we're just going to jump right into it. Okay. I, the, last week we did a full on Super League thing if you want to hear our thoughts on that that was obviously before it collapsed um it was good to do it um and then we recorded a patreon supporters pod three days later and it was like oh my god i have a wild card this week and i haven't even thought like i was so distracted by the yeah by uh the super league stuff that i could not stop reading about it I was so like it was so fascinating i mean it was horrible obviously it was horrifying investment at the same time and so i was just reading so much about it and uh finally like wednesday we recorded this pod and i was like i am not ready to wildcard right now, but I kind of had to. And, you know, in the end, you know, I, I, well, okay. So the question for, you know, that we'll kick things off here was from Boston Provinces anatomy of a post wildcard. When, what went right and wrong? Were there any glaring errors you could have foreseen looking back? So, you know, I think for me, the biggest thing was that I wildcarded because I, a wildcard saved me from bringing Mo Salah in on a hit. And uh-huh. that, that honestly was about the biggest reason I didn't have a terrible team going into this week. I mean, I, you know, I ended up wildcarding out players like Luke Shaw, who I would have liked to have. Um, but you know, I just, I felt like what I really needed to do was bring in Mo Salah mm-hmm. and, 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 and Ian Acho for that matter too. And, um, you know, I really felt like those were the two players who were missing my team and I captained Salah and I got nine points. And so, you know, I feel like, you know, especially when you're, when you're sort of, um, 
you know, and then one of the competitive spots in your mini league, say like any four points burned at this point in the season really feels like something you have to like think about very, very carefully because yeah. it, it, you know, really can be the difference between, you know, winning or losing or second or third place or whatever. And so, um, to me, it was worth it just for that rationale, but um, the team I actually wildcarded into, uh, was pretty frustrating. I mean, you, you and I ended up actually wildcarding into a very similar team. We both have Ian Acho and Vardy tomorrow. So I think we yeah. should add that as a, as a caveat. Uh, but I'm on, I'm on 39 points, which I mean, it's a kind of low scoring game week in general. It looks like the average is 26 points. Um, I, I was at, uh, I, I think I've, I'm actually down like 14 spots. I'm around 5.2 K right now. And I guess I moved a little closer to 5.3 K, uh, overall, um, after that. So, you know, really pretty neutral. And then, you know, I've got Vardy tomorrow is only 33% owned. So I'm hoping that he, uh, uh, comes through for me and, you know, but yeah, I mean, uh, Romain says, I mean, uh, you know, West Wolves just got annihilated, uh, at home. I'm just kind of completely out of the blues. I mean, it was sort of like, I mean, congrats to all these people who apparently had, um, Chris Wood. I, did you know that he was such a popular fan? I mean, these are people that you and I are friends with and follow. I should have known that, that yeah. I feel like our friends let us down really, Brandon. Do you they not didn't tell us that Chris Wood was about to go out for 20 points? You don't hang out on the New Zealand fantasy Reddit. Uh, all day like me. I mean, I'm all about that Kiwi. I'm on that Kiwi action, that Kiwi juice. So Chris Wood, <laughs> this is just all me and my friends talk about for sure. And I, it, that Chris Wood is, <laughs> is that type of player who el- will elude any wild card. So I had a Vidra yeah. version of my wild card. Never did I have a Chris Wood because you look at Burnley and Burnley is, you know, I don't want to disrespect Burnley because they always have something to offer with fantasy, but you always get the cheaper version of the Burnley asset. <laughs> and um, Chris right, Wood right. Has, hasn't been in that <laughs> Ianacho vein of form. So how could you have seen that coming? And for uh, for me, the idea behind wildcarding going into game week 33, it was kind of a staring contest, right? Of Like, who's going to blink first? The wild card or me, and I just ultimately had to make a move. And you know, as much as we rely on people like Ben Krellen to figure out, well, what double game weeks and blanks remain for the rest of the season, nothing was really crystallizing at a point where it strategically made sense. So, you, I think you uh, slightly different logic, but would agree. Like, just play the wild card now and see what you can gain. So. The issue for me was I really didn't know where to turn with a lot of parts of my fantasy team. I knew I definitely on the wild card wanted to bring in Alexander Arnold and Salah. That was a done deal. Beyond that, um, it you know it was and and I guess Emmy Martinez. Beyond that, I as it was a lot of guesswork. And then when you look at that burnley wolves match i think that doesn't force the point about a lot of the marginal fantasy game um sometimes coming down to guesswork like are you going to be able to predict when the wheels ultimately fall off of a wolverhampton form um and and it just happened to be in game week 33 Totally. And it wasn't like Wolves were like this, you know, sort of dominant, but like they had, they had put together a, you know, nice run and, you know, maybe in hindsight, um, keeping clean sheets to Fulham and Sheffield shouldn't have been, um, so telling, I mean, just go back to the Chris Wood thing for a second. I mean, that, that's a tricky one for me because that, that really goes back to what I think is a, is a, is a difficult question to answer when you start getting, when we start taking fantasy very seriously, <laughs> like, 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 
I don't know. I mean, it's like I, sometimes I like to pretend that I don't take fantasy seriously, mm-hmm. but clearly we do. We have this podcast, sure. but you know, like it's sort of um, like Chris, like is like you know. First of all, Chris Woods' underlying stats always look good, right? Because he, like, he's always at the top of these stats charts, and um, and it, you know, it, it doesn't always often borne out in the results, right? Mm-hmm. And he's been, you know, in incredible form the last. I think he's got like, like six goals and three assists in his last five matches. Now, granted, three and three three goals and one assist for today's match, but regardless, he's been he's been you know kind of filling the 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 score box, uh, <laughs> the box score. And yeah. But the question is always like, you know, and so, like, but for me, I had Chris Wood sort of buying into this earlier this season. I had him for like five game weeks. He, he blanked every single game week that I had him. And I was like, okay, right. Like I just don't want to Burnley forward. I just don't want that in my life. And so I kind of, you know, and so sometimes there's a situation you fall in where you're like, well, am I, am I biased because of a bad experience? Or did my experience teach me that this isn't a right move, you know? And like, I mean, I don't want to get like too caught up in just one single result here. You know, like, you know, he just, I mean, it was clearly, um, he had a, you know, great, great match and a great day. Uh, but you know, I, I feel like that, that, that's something I, I often struggle with, you know, like I had a player that didn't do well for me. Therefore that player is dead to me. And clearly you, you don't want to think that way, is, right? You want yeah. it to be sort of like a thinking in the back of your head, but that can sort of bias you too much against, players that, that that might really help your your team totally and burnley is one of those teams where fantasy if you're if you're in fpl for the long haul a lot of what you're buying into are consistent assets it's so hard to pick that one flare up from a marginal player like chris wood wasn't this around the same time that uh the last season when Mikel antonio uh went off for his four goal spurt uh, toward the end of the season. I mean, after the restart, yeah, I, I think it was, I think it was. Yeah. So there's always going to be that type of player that really does. And, and here's, here's, here's the question. Like you can, you can look back at what happened with Chris Wood. You can go back last season and look at what happened with Mikel Antonio. The question now that we have to talk about as we will inevitably preview game week 34 is what do we do with this Chris Wood performance? Do we talk about it? Do we rationalize what it means to get suddenly get Chris Wood yeah. into your team? Or do you just chalk it up to, hey, listen, this happens every season. Let's move on. <laughs> it's a good question because I I mean, I, I we've already talked about Chris Wood on this podcast more than I we, that we had in a running order that we had planned on talking about. And so I guess this is the point is like sometimes you just have to talk about Chris Wood even yeah. if you don't want to. Yeah. Okay. Seems like a nice guy, as you said. We love our Kiwis. <laughs> Big fans of Flight of the Concords. It's all great. One hundred percent. But I, I just, I am not really on the Chris Wood bandwagon. I mean, the, the problem is, it's just, it's just like it, everything has to kind of, like I don't know. I mean, you know, Dwight McNeil being in better form helps him a little bit too. Okay, here's what I'll say. I will not be bringing in Chris Wood. I won't do it. It's not going to happen. I cannot imagine it happening. Maybe at home to Leeds in game week 36. Maybe there's a situation where I, yeah. where I do that. I'm not going to do that before then, however. Yeah. And so if you want to bring in Chris Wood, it seems like he's in good form. They play West Ham at home. That seems like a reasonable fixture. They play Fulham away in 35. It's a good run. It really is. Um, but um, I won't be doing it. And yeah. and Brandon, what about you? Are you going to be bringing in Chris Wood? Well, it's a good segue into our second icebreaker for the episode that comes from FPL Ralph, who asks, with five game weeks left this season, what will Josh and Brandon be doing to make fantasy fun again for these five game weeks? Now, when I looked at Ralph's question, my thought was to make fantasy fun for the rest of the season, I'm going to start backtracking, backing away from Bruno Fernandez, from Mo Salah, from Kevin De Bruyne. I am 
I really want to focus mm-hmm. on Ollie Watkins, Patrick Bamford, Rafinha, Lingard. I want to focus on these cheaper assets because I see so many, Ianacho, I see so many of them doing well. And that to me is where the fun is and actually where a lot of ground is to be to be gained. So what you're asking me now, Josh, is does Chris Wood factor into that that uh, um, cohort of players? And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think he, I don't think I can say he does because all the players that I had just mentioned from Ian Nacho and Bamford and Watkins and Lingard, et cetera, et cetera, have all exhibited true form over the course of not just two game weeks, but I'm um, and and you rightfully pointed out that Chris Wood is in pretty good form in the last couple of game weeks, but not to the extent that we several, have, several more than two. Um, I okay, so maybe I'm just like trying to talk myself into it or what, but I just don't see how Chris Wood's form or Burnley's form, probably more importantly, how Burley's form, Burnley's form. Uh, relates to that of these other players that I'm talking about. I'm just imagining somebody listening to this podcast for the first time this week, and they're just like, they're 12 minutes in, and they've been talking about Chris Wood the entire podcast so far. It's, um, yeah, it's it's the Woodcast, Brandon. I wasn't I wasn't planning on it, yeah. but here here we it's are. The age of Wood. I think we should throw we should we should throw away the running notes and just start watching video clips of Chris Wood goals and just go into them and kind of narrate them as we go and just spend (laughs) two, three hours, however long it takes, Brandon, we should narrate every Chris Wood goal that he scored. We can narrate them. Okay. So just, just, just think about the, uh, (laughs) um, the amazing club house music that would be backing, uh, like the, the sizzle reel of Chris Wood. Now that would be, you know, just turn, just turn this podcast off right now and go watch the the Chris Wood sizzle reel. (laughs) So, I mean, so you're not talking about taking this this make fantasy fun again. I mean, with the, one, the theme of this week's pod is 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 clean slate, right? With five weeks left, uh, how do we? I mean, so I guess in some ways, Chris Wood fits into that very well. Like, how do we look at uh, everything with fresh eyes, right? It's uh, this like five weeks. This is like Saturday at the Masters, Brandon. You know, this is like the <laughs> final the final chance, moving day. Okay, uh, if you're yeah. going to do anything, if you're if you're going to climb up. You know, from and I really, you know, I mean, it, it, honestly, it, it sort of just depends on what your goals are. But that, you know, but if you're five points, if you're in fifth place in your mini leagues, and you're, you know, forty five points back from first, right? Mm-hmm. Difficult, but not impossible to make up that ground. But you really do have to to think about um, some really creative moves, and you're going to have to get rid of people like Bruno. That's just that's just all there is to it. You're going to mm-hmm. take a chance on on players like Sadio Mane, right? Like just like you're you're going to move on players who could score 20 points in a game week, even if they're not in great form right now, right? There's a kind of that, this is the gamble that you are forced into when you're, when you're chasing a little bit. Um, and so, but I also want to talk about that just from a, from a, you know, no matter what perspective you're in, um, because I think in, in, in my position, I'm actually, you know, leading in a few mini leagues and, but I don't think you can just kind of rest on your laurels either. I mean, it's like the, the Bruno, for example, is a, is a really interesting question. Uh, what, what we do with him now. And I, I think it's um, my, you and I have both been, I feel like, in a ten-week um, process of, <laughs> yeah. of of coming to terms with him maybe not being worth his insane price tag uh, in the fantasy game. That it might be time to move on from him. But one, the one thing, I, so we're going to get into that in just a second here. But the one thing I did want to ask you about is you're not talking about make fantasy fun again, going crazy and making all these crazy moves. What what happened between what I think 
I mean, no offense, because I have a very similar team to you, but what I feel like you had a very template wildcard, a very, you know, these are like sort of standard players. Like what happened between Thursday and today that makes you feel like you want to, you know, break the mold? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to put, uh, put too much emphasis on breaking the mold because you and I both know that I won't do it. But um, <laughs> I think, I think what did happen was I wildcarded largely to, to get in on Liverpool. I, I didn't feel all I had mm-hmm. was Jota from Liverpool. And we're about uh, one of the questions that we're going to tackle after the break is which teams have some really great fixtures for the run in and Liverpool's form is one thing, but their fixtures are really outstanding. And I just felt like um, they were coming into it and they were going to be battling yeah. for the four spot. No, their XG was like 11 uh, in that, in that yeah, match. Right, right. I don't know how they, they drew that. It's insane. So I kind of feel like this is a trap always that managers can fall into at this point of the season where suddenly you start creating these narratives, particularly when you are building a wild card and you start to have all of these ideas of how you're going to change the trajectory of your season. And in order to change the trajectory, you kind of have to change your thinking and to change your thinking, you start constructing new narratives and sure Liverpool, uh, you know, players like Trent were at least coming into form. Does that totally erase everything that we have come to know about Liverpool for this entire season? It can't, and it doesn't. And that's what we ultimately saw against Newcastle was Liverpool this season and continue, will continue to the end of the season are a disjointed, malfunctioning, great team. And they, yeah. and, and I guess what has changed my mind since I wildcarded on Thursday and now when we're podcasting about how I need to further change from my wildcard is, oh yeah, like what I knew about Liverpool, suddenly I forgot when I started wildcarding. That doesn't necessarily mean that now I need to dump all of my Liverpool assets, but the logic that that gets you to build this wildcard team sometimes is very imagined and engineered. Sure. Yeah. You sort of, you just want to do it and then you kind of retroactively find a way to justify it. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you just sort of, you just, yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, the, the XG, by the way, for their, for Liverpool was, it was 2.8 in that, in that Newcastle match. I, I looked it up as you were talking and which, you know, which is quite high, uh, especially for a, for a, you know, match where they only scored one time. Um, and I, I'm actually surprised it's done a little bit higher. Um, yeah, I mean, the problem with them is that they are, um, they lack a killer instinct right now. Um, I think that's, that's very clear. Um, they're, you know, I mean, they're, there's the stakes are not high enough, I think for them right now. And, uh, I think that you have, you know, Trent being left out of the England squad for the March friendlies was clearly like a, like a real shot in the arm for him, mm-hmm. you know, and Mo Salah going for the golden boot is a, is a you know thing for him as well. You know, it's like, you can like there's some like individual things that they're chasing right now, but it doesn't feel like the team collectively um, is really working. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I actually thought Mani and Salah passed passed to each other reasonably well in that match too. And uh, but Salah, or excuse me, Mane is just so out of form right yeah. now. It's incredible. And 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 Firmino is just um, it's even worse with him. I mean, it's it's kind of sad. I mean, that's yeah. you know he's now going to have to become I think. Uh, you know, more of a squad player for Liverpool. And I, I don't think you can start him uh, in, in most, you know, in, in big matches, you know, start like next season. And um, that's like, I love Firmino. Like, like Firmino is, um, 
just like a player who I feel like is, is just so easy to love, right? I mean, who doesn't yeah. love a, a forward who doesn't care if he scores? But you've, you know? got, you, and, but, you know, you've got to admit, Josh, how good is Bobby Firmino going to look in an inter-Miami kit? And I think that's just like <laughs> that's written in true. the stars. That is true. Yeah. Well, let's give him like three more years at Liverpool. I think I think he can still do a job, but uh, I just don't think he, he's a week in, week out, twice a week um, yeah. kind of player anymore. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's just he's a lot, and it's kind of two years now of this, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, all right. Anyway, so let's let's take a break and let's let's get into. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about game week thirty four. I, I really do want to think about this this clean slate thing, though. So uh, the, the focus is going to be on players and transfers. Um, you know, really drilling down on, 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 on some choices that you can make to, to move up or, or, or just, you know, solidify your, your spot. I mean, in some ways this is, I know this is obvious talk, but I, I think what I'm hoping for here is, um, you know, for us not to equivocate, right. To okay. sort of like draw some like real clear conclusions here and, and maybe they're qualified. Maybe the question, you know, maybe the idea is that, you know, if you're, um, in first place in your mini league, you go with Bruno. If you're in fifth place, you drop him. You know, like I think maybe there's you could do a little bit of that mm-hmm. um, kind of kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I but I do I don't want to just discuss these players. I want to really think about how you can like you know what you can um, what it makes sense to do uh, depending on your your position in the table. So hopefully this doesn't you know get too like sloppy. I don't know. Hopefully, it makes sense in my head. It, we'll see if it makes sense to people who are listening. Hopefully, it doesn't become too much like the Liverpool attack in the second half of uh, Liverpool Newcastle. Hopefully, it doesn't get to that yeah. point. <laughs> totally. I hope. Yeah. Exactly. We will we'll, we'll try to retain our killer instinct. So, uh, just a quick shout out to our newest patron, uh, Luke Baker. Uh, thank you. You know, the, the Patreon support starts to you know slow down a little bit, Brandon, as we reach yeah. the end of the season. Understandably, of course, only five weeks left, and so uh, anyone who wants to support the podcast. Uh, it really uh, cheers us up. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Makes our day anytime we get a new uh, Patreon supporter. So uh, thank you to Luke. And if you do want to support the podcast and join a community of more than 500 people and talk every day on the Slack about strategy and fantasy and a billion other things, uh, go to patreon.com slash always cheating uh the highest tiers you get the make fantasy fun again t-shirt everyone who supports the podcast gets the week in review newsletter and of course you get an extra podcast each week at the lord soroth level at the lord soroth level and up um and that is just a a free bonus pod for uh, for all of our patrons and that one tends to be a little looser and um a little more uh a little more fun and so um 
Not that this podcast isn't fun, Brandon. I oh. think it's very fun. I'm but, having uh, fun. You know, all, I feel like I'm, on Sunday nights we're often like, <laughs> definitely we're yeah we're, we're a little more. <laughs> it um, sounds like it. Yeah, we're we're definitely very uh, on task for this main podcast. When it comes to our yeah. Patreon pod, um, we're let we're letting it all hang out. Totally. I mean, we record these on Sunday nights, and typically uh, we've watched uh, hours and hours of, of matches on on Saturday and Sunday, and often Friday too. And uh, you know, and like all, all the stings, you know, all of the mm-hmm. uh, all the pain is still there. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it probably comes through on the podcast. So uh, anyway, uh, patreon.com slash always cheating is where you can go to support the cheaters. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Maybe your fantasy team is distracting you from other important parts of your life. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, expertise that may not be locally available in many areas, and BetterHelp is worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor, and you'll get timely, thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit BetterHelp.com cheating. That's BetterHelp. And join the more than 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And here's a special offer for Always Cheating listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash cheating. Always Cheating! All right, we're back. Game Week 34 kicks off on Friday. Southampton Leicester kind of interesting brand in this uh I don't know why we've been doing this podcast for a long time and I don't remember Ramadan I mean I you know it's sort of I, I think the last couple of years it hasn't been a factor but I, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to remember surely there have been seasons that were that were impacted by Ramadan to the degree that this one is um but yeah. I feel like I I was very conscious going into this weekend about about the impact of Ramadan on um, on Mosala um, and uh, Mahrez, you know, Wesley Fafana uh, was, yeah, Riyad Mahrez and Fafana was taken off at the 61st minute of the West Brom match. I don't know if uh, if uh, that was uh, you know intentionally he was kept on for the the 60 minute clean sheet uh, uh-huh. qualification. Brandon, we don't know. We'll talk to Brandon Rogers in the off season about you know, whether he follows the the FPL stuff. Um, but I think that's actually an interesting factor because uh, Leicester play uh, tomorrow and Friday. And um, and they're both night matches, so that has to be tough for anybody who is uh, observing Ramadan. Um, so yeah. anyway, I, I'm not here to talk about Ramadan. Uh, I'd love to, uh, and, but that we'll save that for the Patreon podcast, Brian. We'll go all in on Ramadan <laughs> this week uh, for mm-hmm. our Patreon supporters. Um, so well, let's kick things off, though. The, the the theme here is preparing for the run in with a clean slate. And Seth Ryan. Okay, so my goal here is a tabula rasa, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I'm just like, I'm cleaning the, I'm all the gook, all the feelings I have about players. I'm just, I'm starting fresh <laughs> beginning with this pot. Okay? Yeah. So Seth Ryan says, what teams have the best fixtures and the most to play for the worst fixtures and nothing to play for? I like the way he phrased this great fixtures, something to play for bad fixtures, nothing to play for. So it's kind of who has, who has some skin in the game and who's on the beach. Yeah. Okay. Right. But, so, but on top have, of, have you, have you given this some thought? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I think that's a good way to phrase it because it's like, who has skin in the game plus easy fixtures. And that's like, let's zero in on the people with the most to play for with the easiest route to FPL points. Now you can, that that's the, the annoying argument is always, well, the, the relegate, the teams who are fighting relegation have the most to play for. Therefore invest in those teams, even if, regardless of the fixtures because they're going to be going all out to keep their clean sheets to try and score or maybe not keep the clean sheets just score as many goals as possible and then that blinds you to the fact that oh yeah these are these are kind of bad teams so i think leeds is the team that jumps out at me i talked last week about um Actually, I think this might have been with our patrons, but when I was looking at my wild card, I had three L's. I was looking at Liverpool, Lingard, and Leeds. And Leeds, even mm. after all of the uh, the trauma of game week 33, still stands out. Leeds have Brighton, Spurs, Burnley, Southampton, and West Brom. Those five remaining fixtures, Spurs will be um, a tougher match, but they do play them home at Ellen Road. Those are terrific fixtures for Leeds to end. And I just don't feel like Leeds and Bielsa are the type of club that gets onto the beach, that loses sight of what they're playing for. And I think that's what we've admired about these Leeds players all season is that they are the sum of their parts. Like when they play as a team, they're really dynamic and they're all, and because of that, they all have to really hold uh, do their job, hold their own. No one can really take their foot off the gas in the starting 11 or else that whole team will kind of fall apart. So even if you were to argue that Leeds don't have a lot to play for, I still think they are one of the most valuable FPL teams uh, during this home stretch. And I'll stand by that. And when I was looking at my wild card for 33, I kept in the back of my mind, how am I going to get Bamford back at least around game week 36 and i've been saying for a while that i think bamford's form has really dropped off and it's you know he had a one pointer again in game week 33 but i think the thing that um makes me bullish on bamford still is that he continues to start there was a moment where i thought you know bielsa was um he was substituting bamford earlier and earlier in matches sometimes at the 45 minute mark I was like, is Bamford falling out of favor with Bielsa? Um, but he continues to start. So that's assuaged those fears. So I do think Bamford, if Rafinha can get back fit, Stuart Dallas, we don't even need to talk about. But I could even see a triple up on Leeds being Melier, Dallas, and Bamford for the home stretch. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of uh, – did, did you end up bringing in Melier? You were talking about him on your wild card. Did you, did, yeah. did you have him? Ultimately, ultimately, I did not bring in Melier because I went for Martinez. There was a temptation to do the double up uh, or the road goalkeeper rotation. But my thing I, – I opted to go for Button, just a 3.9 backup keeper with Martinez because at some point – I will transfer Martinez 
to Melier. Now that might sound like ill, um, ill-advised management because that's a tra- uh, one of five free transfers I have left that I'll waste on a goalkeeper. But I also felt like it was a waste of budget to bring in both Martinez and Melier. So yeah. um, that's, that's the logic there. Yeah. I mean, the, the, on the beach stuff is, I mean, it's funny because, you know, leads are kind of a weird in between uh, what we just talked about, which is that they're uh a team with with virtually nothing to play for um, and great fixtures, um, and so they're sort of. Um, it's it, yeah, I agree. I mean, it was a you know, it was a very. I mean, I thought it was a very impressive draw today. I mean, they they just with, without Rafinha. I mean, Jack Harris. It's kind of interesting actually because it's almost like the way to think about it is more like who are the players who need a vacation, right? Yeah. Like who are the players who need who need some time in the beach to recover? And I feel like the two white boys on Leeds, Patrick Bamford and Jack Harrison, like those guys <laughs> need to like, go like Don, like they need to like go like rent a, a summer cottage for, for a month and, and, and mm-hmm. just like, you know, pull themselves back together because Harrison looks exhausted. Like it's, it's like, he looks so fried out there at the pitch and um, you know, and he's trying to fill the Rafinha role too, which probably doesn't help. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, well, it sort of depends. Rafinha will buzz around both sides, but, um, but in Bamford, uh, I, I agree. I mean, I think there's a good chance I, I bring him back in, but not not until Rafinha comes back. Uh, without Rafinha, I I'm not as, as sold on Bamford because Rafinha is just such a such a chance creator, you know. And without him, uh, uh, I'm just I'm just not feeling it. But you know, I think um, for that Bre- that Brighton match next week, for example, I'm I'm certainly going to be starting Stuart Dallas, and um, he's kind of funny. He like with his bonus points, like he he needs a goal or an assist or he will not get a single bonus point. Like he does nothing on the, cause like he has this kind of free role, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's like, he, I don't think he does anything and it's yeah. like, he doesn't get any like blocks, clearances, interceptions. He very few key passes. It's like he yeah. gets the ball and it's like either shooting or he is like, it's <laughs> yeah. like a short pass, you know, to set up and set up a play, not even tackles. It's, it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, sometimes he'll be in a similar position to a player like Kevin De Bruyne, but, um, who, who will track back and tackle the ball away. But, uh, you know, they've, they've got other, other people behind, behind Dallas to do that. So, yeah, it's, so, you know, as far as teams that have, uh, you know, something, something to play for, I mean, um, West Ham, I mean, if you think that they still have a chance at a champions league spot, they have pretty decent fixtures, honestly, throughout the rest of the season. You know, I, I think the one thing we need to keep in mind here too, is that, um, cause we haven't talked about too much in this week's podcast, but, uh, you know, by the time, by the end of this week, we should know uh, whether there are going to be uh, double game weeks uh, this season. Uh, and one more, one last, you know, one last into the breach with with double game weeks, Brandon. And it looks like there's a very good chance that that is going to happen. Um, and the reason for that is is the lifting of the pot. I don't really understand, by the way, how you can have fans at these like cup finals, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. why why can you have ten thousand fans at the League Cup final? But the Premier League grounds can't do. Is that like a police like? I think is it protection be, it, issue or something? Maybe like, Wembley yeah. is that much larger. Like the capacity at Wembley is pretty massive compared to a lot of um, mm, that's a good, other uh, grounds. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that that does make sense. Although, I mean, they were pretty tightly packed in there. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like the, these these fans were all you know, 35 feet apart or anything like that. You so can't control I, I, these, knows. these football hooligans, Josh. No. And I can't control Boris Johnson, Brandon, you know, <laughs> try, try, try as I might. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I, you know, so the, and the reason I bring that up is because there is a reasonable chance that we will have 
um, a handful of double game weeks in game week 35. And there are, there are a couple that we are, are quite sure that we're going to have like almost like with a, with a near certainty, we think that we're going to have four teams that play twice in game week 35. Now, and, and to be very clear about this next week is game week 34. So we're in a, a classic situation here, Brandon, where we are overlooking the game week in front of us to talk yeah. about the one that follows it. Uh, you know, very, but you know, you, you do want to be thinking a couple moves ahead, especially right now, right? Like the Bruno out question is complicated by the fact that there's a good chance that he's going to have a double game week in 35, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, even if his form is bad, I would be nervous about not having him for two matches, you know, in, in one game week. Um, and so the four teams that we are nearly certain to see play twice in 35 are Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Everton, Southampton. Uh, in the case of Villa and Everton, it is a long, Long overdue to be rescheduled COVID uh, match from, um, you know, months ago. Um, and the uh, Crystal Palace Southampton matches is because of the FA Cup semifinal. And that match um, was was in 33 and that wasn't able to take place because of that. So or was it 32, whatever it was, um, you know, so that, that was a delayed match that is finally getting uh, replayed now. Um, and so. You know, those four teams uh, will all play. And it's kind of interesting because of those four, Brandon, I only have two Villa players. I don't have anyone from Everton, anyone from Palace or anyone from Southampton. I'm not sure I will either. No. I mean, I, maybe I would, you know, maybe you talk to me in a week and I'm going to talk myself into James Ward Prowse or something, but no. um, I, I don't know, unless there's like an injury in my squad, I think, I think, I don't know. I mean, like Ings would be somebody I would consider, right? If things were healthy and, and looked good in game week 34, I, I might consider it, but the, the setup that I've got right now, um, which is the same as yours, I've got Ali Watkins, Jamie Vardy, and Ian Acho. And uh, those three all are, are part of this cohort that I expected to play twice uh, and gave me 35. And so at that point, I'm like, I'm not going to burn, you know, I'm not going to bring in a Southampton defender. Uh, I mean, Crystal Palace arguably have the best game week 35, but you talk about a team that has nothing to play for. I mean, Crystal Palace are just firmly in that kind of just, skating through to the end of the season i mean i um i'm, I'm reluctant to even talk about them too much because this match we're recording this before they play Leicester tomorrow and so let's see how they look tomorrow you know if will like sometimes will zaha is like a man possessed yeah you know and he's just like he's all about winning you know yeah. it's like he's, he's gonna try to win as many penalties as he can in a match I, uh I, and other I, times he just sort of disappears the whole time i genuinely can't with crystal palace just like can't talk about it can't deal with them at all they've uh, it's like this they 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 seem to be in, holding their own this season with incredible uh, fortitude, and I respect that. But at the same time, like this club is so due to be overhauled with players like Zahu, Zaha who needs out, Hodgson who is at death's door, uh, bless his soul, and and then the likes of Benteke and Jordan Ayew, which is like you guys just need to move on with your lives. For me, the uh, it's Lucas Dean is probably and and it's be, it's it's a little sour because Dean right. uh, got his clean sheet this week when I after I had gotten rid of him on wild card, but he was one of those players where I felt like with Everton with this possible double in game week thirty three, he would be worth hanging on to. And it was really interesting about Everton is that they'll double with Aston Villa, like they have a fixture to make up with Aston Villa, and then they also are scheduled to play Villa in thirty four. Yeah. Um, uh, so you uh, you get to see them face up uh, twice in quick succession. And Dean was just too expensive. Like at 6.1, I think he was at at this point uh, for, for we've really seen him do nothing in the last month. But Everton, 
you know, yeah. Dean Richarlison, who has actually been able to find some semblance of form, even though that was a pretty wild goal against Leno. I'll grant you that. Um, I think he's worthy of being looked at just as much as any player from Southampton or Aston Villa. Yeah, I mean, talk about clean slate, right? I mean, Richarlison, I mean, you know, unfortunately, the it feels so long ago now, but that... Uh, you know, the comedy own goal uh, in the second half of, uh, of Everton. Yeah, the, the Jay, uh, that was just, yeah, I uh, just want to call him Jay yeah. Leno, but yeah, Burn Leno, um, just like it, that was key, a Keystone <laughs> Cops moment for sure, for sure. And that was a classic, like yeah. Richarlison will celebrate anything. He will he will act like he broke his leg at getting touched. <laughs> and if he's involved, responsible for anything relating to a goal, he is celebrating for sure and having that smug look on his face. I know. It's it was all of the best and worst of Richarlison in in one play. I mean, uh great speed, um, great, you know, but pretty pretty good move, and then just uh, you know, refusing to pass to anybody. Yeah. And so he well, he effectively side side foots it to Leno so that Leno can uh, collect the ball and <laughs> and restart the place so that yeah. he gets another opportunity to make a great move. Uh, and then Leno just sort of um, forgets to catch it. By the way, how suicidal has it been for Mikel Arteta to play Xhaka at left back? Like what, what is he trying to make happen there? It's insane. Yeah. I mean, he's just so unimpressed by Cedric, I guess. Is that the, is that the issue that like Cedric just cannot be trusted at all? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a weird, it's a weird setup right now. I have to say with, with like holding Callum Chambers who like Mm -hmm. back from the dead, (laughs) Callum Chambers, right? Mm -hmm. Like started four of the last uh, five, five of the last seven. Wow. He looks old now too. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's such a weird thing. Like Callum Chambers is like somebody who I, I always think of as this Arsenal youth player who mm-hmm. was getting like loaned out. I remember he was at Bournemouth. He was all over the place. And now he's just this kind of like 10 year veteran, mm-hmm. you know, um, who's like, well, he's still there. He's still at Arsenal. He's the new um, Jenkins. So, I mean, holding oh. does look good. He's yeah, he is the new, he is the new, yeah. Jenkinson. Yeah. Jenkinson. Like Jen- right? Carl Jenkinson. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jenkinson's like a, like some Jen- Jenkins in a County. Uh, I'm thinking of Lee, <laughs> Lee, that, that famous YouTube meme of Leroy Jenkins. Uh, but you know, I digress. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. Um, so, you know, to, I mean, and so I don't want this to be like a, like a total non-answer here, but I, I I'm not sure that the, um, that the, on the beach, ranking system or thinking about who's in the beach or not is, is, is hugely helpful because, uh, the kind of players who are, who have nothing to play for tend to be, uh, I mean, you were talking about this earlier, like, you know, the relegation fodder often, you know, these, these are not, you know, you sort of, you, you, you get sucked into the Veltman, you know, thing or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have Dan Byrne, I didn't even play, right. You know, brought him <laughs> in my wild card. Uh-huh. Uh, what a waste of it. You know, maybe he'll play next week. Who knows? Um, he but will. you know, you sort of get sucked into this stuff and, uh, um, yeah, he's like getting man, his minutes are being managed. I don't know. Like it's weird, like Brighton, they have a pretty good system now. Like it feels like you can kind of, it feels like they've, they've plugged in like seven or eight players back there and it's kind of, kind of works no matter, you know, no matter who's there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I think that, you know, I think the real, the real theme here, I guess, is that I, I wouldn't focus too much on, on the beach or doing mm-hmm. on the beach rankings or anything like that. I feel like what I would focus on is just. Does the player look like they really need a break? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're watching a lot of matches, it's pretty clear who is exhausted and who isn't. And Patrick Bamford looks like he is completely fried. Maybe, maybe in a couple of weeks with Rafinha back and he scores a goal and it gets his form back or whatever. But you know, he falls in that category. And I think that you know the other player who we have to talk about now uh, is Bruno. Yeah. And uh, you know, Bruno 
likely plays twice in 35, um, but they're not they're not great matches. Uh, he plays a way to Villa and they host Leicester. Uh, and in 34, they've, he's got a, a, a not ideal match either, right? They're hosting Liverpool. So, um, and he just looks, I mean, he's, you know, he's just, he, they make him do so much, right? He never gets a match off. He plays never your upper league match. They, you know, they really won't give him more than, you know, 30 minutes uh, spell. And he's probably, I mean, I wonder how many matches actually played for Liverpool that, or for, for Man United this season. I bet it's like, it's got to be over 50, right? Sure, if you count Europa League and cup matches and everything. And I, I, I always think back to the first tie between Manchester United and West Ham earlier in the season where West Ham were just really dominating Manchester United, having Bruno on the bench. And at halftime, Ole has to bring, bring Bruno on. And then suddenly the team comes alive. And it's yeah. it's these these handcuffs that that Manchester United have in that the play Bruno is so great that they can't really give him a rest. I was going to say he has played it's, it's 51 matches this season. Uh, he has logged 4000 minutes on the pitch. This yeah, season. it's incredible. And I one of the reasons why I decided to not ditch Bruno on my wild card is that even though. You could say he is in that fried category is still when you watch United play. He is always in the hole. He does get chances. He is still unafraid to shoot. He, you know, he's, he's lacking a little bit of that, of that juice, but I just feel like, I don't know, maybe he's moving into that most solid category this season of you, you, you're just always believing the player, believing in the player for their potential and not actually what you've seen over the course of the last four weeks. But, uh, I, I just don't see how you can dismiss Bruno at this point because uh, who are you going to who are you bringing in? Mason Greenwood yeah. has been in some really good form, but you know he he's liable to blank just as much as Bruno can, and yeah. that team can Greenwood. still fu- function without Greenwood. And if that team can yeah. function without Greenwood, but they can't without Bruno, Bruno still for me is the better. A fantasy asset there. Yeah. Do I think that Bruno is really a better fantasy or a worse fantasy asset than, than Greenwood? I'm, I, no, but I mean, Greenwood in that match today was so active. I mean, I, he was certainly the most dangerous player in the pitch. I mean, Rashford didn't have a particularly good game. Uh, well, it was like one of those early season Rashford matches where he just um, had some big chances and, you know, somehow just missed the goal by, by two feet uh, a couple of times. And um yeah, I mean Greenwood looks great. I mean, you know, I was I was sort of thinking about that exactly what you're just what you're about to say, which was, you know, if you don't go Bruno, what who do you go to? And, you know, is Greenwood a lateral move? Not necessarily. I mean, if going Bruno to Greenwood lets you upgrade Ollie Watkins to Harry Kane, then then maybe that's worth it. You know, like that's that's a that would be a a bold move, right? Like that that could pan out. You know, Kane hosts Sheffield and and game week 34. And, you know, um, I'm, I currently have Watkins on my bench for, for game week 34. So that, you know, that's, that's a move that somebody could consider. Um, I think that son, I think son is a player who a lot of people have moved off of, um, because of, you know, because of wild cards or because they wanted to, uh, pick up a Greenwood or something like that. And I think that he is, uh, somebody has got a great run in to end the season. I wish there was a second player that you could pick on Spurs, but it really, it seems like it is just son. Um, is there, what about, okay, this one's a little out there, Brandon. So just, mm, you know, okay. just, you know, gird your loins. But what about Gilfie Sigurdsson? Good, pretty good, pretty good run in. Um, very likely to have uh, two matches in in game week 35 um, on free kicks. 
Yeah. Um, you know, would you consider her guilty? Yeah, I guess this goes back to what I was saying about Lucas Dean, and the worst thing that happened to Lucas Dean this season was Gilfie Sigurdsson came into great form, and Ancelotti actually became reliant on Sigurdsson playing, and that he took so many set pieces away from Dean, and that uh, yeah, yeah, that that leads me to kind of see at least see what you're talking about there, uh, Gilfie being yeah. an option. I, I I guess I'd go for Gilfie over James because. Hamas is not going to take a penalty if Gilfie is on the pitch. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of sort of like Hamas being fit again. He still is kind of receded uh, to Gilfie when Gil, yeah. Gilfie's when particularly when he's playing through the middle. I was, I'm a little surprised by that, too, uh, that, that Hamas is still uh, deferring to Gilfie on, 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 on free kicks. But, I mean, you know, Gilfie had a brace uh, just last week, right, um, at home to Spurs. So clearly – um, maybe he's just deferring to him cause he's, he's just, you know, really in, in the better form at the moment, but, um, that team is clicking. I mean, you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is, I mean, I know we're talking kind of about midfielders here, but, um, I, I wouldn't say that I was hugely, I I'm kind of with you. You talked about Richarlison earlier. I, all things being equal, I, I actually would be, I think, inclined to go with Richarlison over, over Dominic Calvert-Lewin if I was picking an Everton forward for, yeah. for the run-in. Yeah, definitely. But I, we need to go back to Bruno because I think when we went into this section of the podcast, Josh, you promised the listeners that we were not going to equivocate. We were going to be very firm. And I think to be respectful mm-hmm. of AJ's question, this is probably the front of my mind, What are we? what is the cut and dry answer for Bruno right now? We both have him... I am in a position where I do want to chase a little bit in my mini league. I think the answer for me is based on form and function and all that, I have to get rid of Bruno. And then in your position where you're leading the pack in most of your mini leagues, you would keep Bruno. I think that is the pretty firm answer. And yeah, we're talking a lot about if you were to be in my position and drop Bruno, who would you replace him with? But that's kind of what we're saying though, right? As far as Bruno is concerned. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, I guess De Bruyne is now back and healthy. Maybe he enters the conversation. Um, you know, I saw that you retained a couple of Man City players on your wild card. So you're, you you know, the Gundogan could be an option, I suppose, uh, in theory. Yeah. Well, then um, me taking you know, me. You have to look, look past the price tag sometimes of that stuff. But me keeping Gundogan on my wild card was kind of with the uncertainty of when Kevin De Bruyne was coming back. I. You had some suspicion that he'd come back for the the final today on Sunday, and and there he was. And my whole view of Gundogan is you see the best of Gundogan from a fantasy point of view when Kevin De Bruyne has been out injured. So KDB being back, I just – and Gundogan and KDB being part of Pep's perfect 11 and the perfect 11 that Pep is going to want to play, especially in the Champions League – from here on out, ugh, it's it's just it's looking kind of grim for my Gundawan pick on wildcard. I think he will be one of the first to make way. And I have 1.4 in the bank. So Gundawan could even move to Greenwood. Just uh, turn into Gilfie. Or Gilfie. Greenwood or Gilfie, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, the two Gs. Yeah. We've gone from the three L's to the two Gs. And the only issue with Greenwood is, is just there's a little bit of a Europa League concern, you know, just because uh, it's a little bit like – a little bit like the Man City thing where you're like, ah, like, am I, you know, am I going to, you know, I mean, there's like, there's only five weeks left. Right. So I, you know, you don't really want to make a transfer um, on a player who's going to miss one or two of those. Right. Cause it's, it's just sort of, it just makes a little, this is one of the reasons I didn't go for Mendy on the, um, 
uh, on my wild card is I just didn't want it. I didn't want the risk, you know, mm-hmm. like, let's say even if he starts four to five, you know, suddenly I, like which one, you know, it's like, it's like, you, it's like, you can just have him covered by like a perfect, like a perfect player every week. Cause you just don't know uh, who that p- person would be, you know? And so I think that makes it really, really tricky. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that I Greenwood is the player that I would be looking at too. Um, I may go Jota to Greenwood and game week 35, um, I think that that would that would be um, a possibility just because Man United do play twice, um, and Greenwood just seems like a, like a higher quality player to go with than 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 Gilfie. I mean, Gilfie has had a nice little run, and he did have a brace a couple weeks ago, but he still only has you know six goals and four assists in the season. I mean, you're not exactly you know investing in some like yeah. major blue chip fantasy asset and so if you're going to drop jota for that you really need to yeah um who i you know has been kind of unlucky right i mean yeah. I, I don't know what i mean like he's it's kind of frustrating because i don't really know what to do with him i don't know if you have any thoughts on on what to david uh one of the questions we got was from david asking is the time to say goodbye to jota and it's like we kind of saw this when he was at wolves right and it felt like maybe he'd like he, you know Great underlying stats, uh, super attacking, lots of shots on target. Um, seems like a great fantasy asset, and the numbers didn't quite add up. And so, you know, what do you what, what are your thoughts on Jota right now? I'd like to get rid of him, and I think it's what I was saying at the top of the pod of my feelings on Liverpool right now. In that Liverpool had a bit of a bait and switch over the last couple of weeks, and while I still believe that Liverpool will be capable of pretty good FPL returns um, here and there. It's like what my how I was waffling on Lacazette over the last month. Ultimately, I did bring in Lacazette. But at one point, I was like, ooh, Lacazette in pretty good form. And then Lacazette blanks. And then you say, well, this is the thing with Arsenal. The problem with them will always be they're unpredictable. They're unreliable. You wouldn't say the same thing about Liverpool until you get to this point in the season where you're like, Liverpool are kind of arsenaling it this season. And that has become my issue with Diego Jota right now. And I feel like Jota, when he came into the Liverpool squad, was actually the secret sauce. When Jota played, Liverpool actually had some sort of attacking chemistry that they were missing at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. However, like the the overall arsenalness that I'm talking about has just seemed to have seeped so far into Liverpool right now that I'm I just kind of want to back away from them. I'm willing to actually stick with Salah because I don't know, uh, just like long, long-term bias scores like every match. Yeah. 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 That, that sort of a thing. <laughs> but um, a, as I was saying about how I intend to make fantasy fun for me for the next five weeks is looking at these play, mid mid range players where they are possibly interchangeable and Liverpool uh, Jota's form uh, is, is not existing. And that is probably down to the fact that Liverpool haven't gotten any true form attacking form going therefore he's got to go so my feeling on jota is no uh i've got to i've got to move on and find something different yeah i mean this is where the overall rank thing i think can can really force you into being really uncreative and and actually not not doing yourself a, a service you know in this game where it's sort of like well i jota should probably go but i I see that his effective ownership is 78% in the top 10K, and so therefore I should keep him because it just does hurts me too much to drop him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you sort of you get into this trap of just like, of just being 
like super boring, you know, just and not even like actually helping your team. You know, you're just like, I mean, part of, you know, I, I typically the reason that you're having a good season is because you're able to, um, you've moved a little faster than other people. Yeah. Right. And you've gotten in a, a week or two early and, uh, you know, and, and there's always, you know, there's often a little bit of risk there. I mean, you know, Jimmy Vardy is suddenly a very popular pick, but, uh, you know, when I brought him in two weeks ago, you laughed at me on the pod. <laughs> I did. You, know? you, uh, you thought it was hilarious, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, this is, you know, so I think you, you do have to kind of, I, cause I'm kind of with you. Like if I, if I had to like, if I was on a wild card right now, I would absolutely have Greenwood over Jota too. And Jota looks good, but he also looks kind of frustrated. Right. And then like, like we talked about plenty of already on this pod i mean i don't want to just repeat everything you just said but like yeah like just like a lack of killer instinct on that team right now and so you don't really trust the returns that you're going to get and it does feel like man united are i mean they're kind of an interesting spot because it feels like they're just kind of locked in that second place now right you know it's sort of i don't know could they even like drop below second i'm not sure they could you know and sort of sort of a, a weird fixed spot like at some point does it you know, do they just kind of go all in on the Europa League? I mean, I don't really know. I, I mean, you know, is, is that something that they would really value, or is the goal just to just to get as many points as they can in the Premier League and kind of, you know, put down a marker for next season? It's sort of, um, I think that's a difficult one to answer. Yeah, it it is, um, and which brings us let's let's transition to Spurs, and I want to talk about Boston Prof's question: okay. Is getting Son a must this week? I don't have him. Just Kane could swap Son for Bruno. Or for Jota with a hit, downgrading Stones to nobody. Uh, thoughts? So after seeing Spurs' non-performance against Manchester City in the final on Sunday today where Kane came back from injury, and that does worry me a little bit uh, if you're if you're targeting Son because uh, that, that connection, that counter-attacking style that was so good for Son and Kane earlier in the season seems to have dried up a bit. Uh, yeah. I, you kept Sun yeah. on your wild card, and I'm a little worried about yeah. Spurs here, where they're yeah, just as 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 you were just just saying, where what is the end goal now that they've lost their chance for a trophy, uh, now that they're effectively managerless and uh, with with really yeah. no no view of what the future is. Uh, maybe some players getting restless and and wondering about some contract negotiations and et cetera. I, I, even though Spurs are home Sheffield United in 34, I'm I, the only single Spurs player I would be saying is a must own or even worth targeting would be Harry Kane son. I'm less sure about. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really sure about him either. I mean, part of it is it comes back to that midfield question that we talked about earlier. Like, you, you kind of run out of options at some point uh, as you go through the midfield. You're like, okay, like I'm sort of, I, I, I had a hard time getting to like more than five or six players. I really wanted uh, it to, to fill up my, my midfield. And so son sort of just made more sense than keeping Kane just from a, you know, he's cheaper. And um, you know, a couple of days ago, we didn't really know where Kane was. Right. I mean, the talk yeah. was that he wasn't going to be healthy enough to, to play in the final ended up playing the full 90 minutes. And granted he didn't do anything in that match. I mean, it was uh, a <laughs> um, talk about XG. I think the, you know, not, I hate even talking about XG because it, it, it proves what an actual moron I am that I like really, um, I just throw out numbers for it. I'm like, Oh, the XG was seven. And that, and I, I, I like, I, uh, anyway, uh, but I, I think it was like, you know, it was like 2.9 to 0.04 or something like that. I mean, it was basically Spurs created nothing uh, the entire match. And so, 
Um, but I don't know. Maybe, you know, the, the home to Sheffield United is a different story. Um, and I, I felt like um, I actually think that Sun and, you know, we could talk about this just briefly is, you know, I, I think that Sun or Kane may be the best captain picks this weekend. I mean, I think that you look at the the Leicester forwards and Sun and Kane. And is there anyone else that you would strongly consider captaining this weekend? No, not really right now. My bus team, my captain is on Jamie Vardy, God rest my soul. And I have a vice captaincy on Mo Salah. Um, I don't know. Liverpool, Manchester United, at least there's some some fire in that fixture. And Salah, all, you know, the per- personal goals that he may have that we've discussed. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. If you have the Spurs players, if you have Son or Kane, that would be my leading candidate for captaincy. So for me, I I would be looking to get Harry Kane in probably for a minus four, but because I think that Jamie Vardy is fine for a captaincy option, we'll see what happens against yeah. Crystal Palace. I don't I don't see why I would take a hit just to bring in another captain option. No, I, I, I'm with you there. Uh, Iannaccio as well. Um, honestly, he's probably looked even better than, than Vardy the last um, few weeks. E- even in that match um, a few days ago, on Thursday's match, I thought that even though Vardy was the one who ended up with more points than Iannaccio, um, Iannaccio really could have had a hat trick in that match. I mean, he was, he was incredible um, and just a little bit unlucky, maybe a little bit um, a little bit. Um, uh, shot a little bit too fast uh, in a couple of instances, but um, although the, the one goal he scored was incredibly patient uh, with with some great build up play from Vardy, so yeah, I, I think you're right. I think those are those are two great options. Um, I, I you know, Son um, home to Sheffield. I mean, I, I just, I mean, he was like, you know, I mean, I, it really it was kind of um, I felt bad for him. I mean, he was, you know, he was actually uh, got emotional on the pitch at the end of the uh, League Cup final. He really wanted to win that match for for Spurs, and I. Um, you know, he's just, he's just an easy guy to like. And so I I don't see him being the kind of player that's just going to switch off, uh, the last few weeks of the season. You know, I think that he's really going to keep pushing. And I think they also, you know, they really want to get Ryan Mason some wins. I know it was really, um, important to them, uh, when they, when they, you know, got the late win, um, last week, um, you know, the come from behind, uh, victory over Southampton. So, I think that, um, I don't know. I think that, I think that son, um, he's the player that I'm kind of leaning towards right now. I don't know how much of that is that I just don't like to captain a player in the first match mm-hmm. uh, of a game week. I mean, I, I don't know that, that like as a decision that really is uh, particularly smart or strategic. It's just something I don't like to do. Um, and I like the idea of having like three days to sort of look forward to my, my captain delivering. Um, but, uh, we all remember what happened the last time the Leicester went to Southampton, right? I think that was a nine nil match. It sure was. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So maybe I should, I should rethink things a little bit. It all depends on when that Southampton red card inevitably comes. Does it come early in the match? Then yeah, that's (laughs) a nine nil. All right, Brian, two bonus questions for you. The first one is from kill rack league. Okay, uh-huh. I don't know. That's 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 that was the uh, the Twitter <laughs> at there. Creative. Uh, he says, uh, "What? T- yeah, he says, what team is the worst FPL team, and why is it Arsenal?" <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Kill rack league. As somebody who um, brought in La Gazette going into game week thirty two, um, after kind of warning myself to not do it. It's <laughs> yeah. it's a it's. It's a disaster, and and I, I think I touched upon this earlier of what you ultimately want. And I hate I hate to make this like passionless 
um, very like algor- algorithmic viewpoint of fantasy, but all you want is a sure thing when it comes to fantasy. That's why, you know, teams like Liverpool and City over the last couple of years have been so great because they consistently score goals and keep clean sheets. Arsenal are the antithesis of consistency. It's why we talk for 10 minutes about Chris Wood, why his performance uh, against Wolves is so vexing, because you want to believe as a good fantasy manager, you could see that coming. And every time Arsenal start to convince you and you say, all right, I can see a particular Arsenal performance coming and I'm going to use this to my advantage as a fantasy manager. They do what Arsenal often do is that they don't deliver on a performance. They don't cash the check that they wrote. So, yeah, I whether whether it is Arsenal specifically, I think that is the the thing that you're like the the broader issue that that we're getting at here is just this, this unreal level of unpredictability. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, the, the unpredictability is, is actually worse than heavy rotation. You know, when the, the players actually play, I mean, in Tuchel's case, I think the, uh, the attack has been a little hard to invest in, but defensively it's like, okay, like, yeah, there's rotation, just get two defenders, you know, <laughs> like there's a good chance that two, that those two will start most of the time. And if not, you're going to get one, yeah. but they just are so solid back there that you just want to do it. Then you're, you're going to get returns, right? If they play, you'll get returns. Um, and so it's a little different than, um, than you just don't know it at all what you're going to get. Right. Yeah. And that, you know, if you get in a, I mean, Aubameyang, obviously the season's you know, been a terrible year, but, you know, in previous seasons, right, he'd end up with 20 goals uh, in the course of a season, but it would take him, you had to invest in him for 13 weeks <laughs> yeah. to get there, right? You know, like you never, yeah. like to get great returns, you had to like go be in for the long haul and you could never captain him yeah. because you never trusted, you know, which, which match. I mean, Ollie Watkins has been a little frustrating to me. Uh, we didn't even talk about the the assist that was or wasn't, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I want to get into it at this point in the pod, but um, like whatever, like you know, it's just like it's fantasy. This isn't real life, like you know, sure, like, yeah, like it's an intended target. It's close yeah. enough, like yeah. Every- I have Watkins. I'm biased, <laughs> sure, like <laughs> right. That. But but the, I think I think what you could say to that, and who would argue that fantasy should just be producing more points? if more fantasy managers get more points. Yeah. I mean, obviously that could be destructive to your mini league lead. If you don't have Ali Watkins and boohoo, it's not fair and all that sort of thing, but more goals, more assists, more everything, more anything, more everything. Yeah. You and I had an eye open experience, uh, last, last summer, uh, we did fantasy Bundesliga and you just got like points for doing things well on the pitch. (laughs) And it was like revelatory. It was like, you could just be a midfielder who did things well. And you're like, Oh wow. Like, you actually like get like you get rewarded for that. Like, yeah. You pick players who are actually good in the game. That yeah. is like really helps you. Um, it's like in Golo Conte would be like a proper fantasy asset. I feel mm-hmm. like and and Bundesliga. But I was going to say about Watkins, just that he's um, it's not you know I mean he's actually having a, a fine season, but he he to me is one of those players who is inconsistent. Like I would never captain Ollie Watkins mm-hmm. right because it's like it, he's the kind of player who's going to have his best match on the road to a top six team. And like, or, you know, or like you just don't know. And it's like, and then he'll play the worst team at home and, and, and fail to deliver any attack in returns. It's like, you just kind of don't know what you're yeah. going to get with him. So, yeah. um, but with Aston you know, Villa, so it's, it's, you would the act- aggregate number is good. B- yep. But with Aston Villa, you'd actually want to captain Emmy Martinez, because if you want to talk about consistency, there you go. I mean, where, where has he been the last couple of weeks? I don't know, but um, Aston Villa, 
I, I hear what you're saying about Ollie Watkins. What I've loved about Aston Villa this season, even without Jack Grealish, you at least there's some baseline. You know, there are good good Aston Villa performances this season with and without Grealish, and then there are kind of uh, moderate. There is never really a truly bad Aston Villa performance, even though they're kind of operating on a different wavelength than Arsenal. So that's like, I still feel comfortable with Villa as a fantasy uh, team. No, I, I do too. It's just, I, I mean, I was just, I was just sort of, I, I couldn't, I couldn't resist a little dig at Watkins <laughs> Fair enough, uh, maybe sure. because he missed a, a clear breakaway opportunity in today's match and I'm still smarting from it. Uh, I guess the, the phantom assist though, even things out. Um, all right, so this is a final question. This is just, just for fun, Brandon. This is from one of our uh, Patreon supporters in the Slack. He says, which two teams do you think will complete the top four this season, along with the Manchester clubs? Do you think the likes of Liverpool and Spurs can turn around and win, in all, of, win all of the remaining games? Do you think Everton might have a chance to be in the top four or five with their favorable run of fixtures to end the season? So if you pull up that old Premier League table, Brandon, uh-huh. you know, premierleague.com right <laughs> where all the stars come out to shine yeah uh and you and you look and see where we are on the table here we've got lester uh yes so again yeah i'm mean, really I, I talked about this briefly in the pod i didn't have the table pulled up at that time Man united are eight points clear of lester the lester do have a game in hand although I, I i just i find it hard to imagine that man united would would surrender five points uh, to Leicester, assuming that Leicester win tomorrow. Uh, it could happen, but it, it's unlikely. Um, and so you have Leicester at 59 points, uh, Chelsea at 58. And then you've got West Ham and Liverpool. I suppose Spurs and Everton are there too. So basically it's it's from fifth through eighth, you're at 55, 54, 53, 52. And, um, you know, my feeling is that Things are pretty locked in at this point. I, I, I suspect that Leicester and Chelsea will get those final two spots. I really hope that Leicester don't blow it again like they did last season. That would be really heartbreaking for their their supporters. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think Leicester will have learned. Okay, so on the one hand, you think Leicester will have learned so much from that experience at the end of, at the end of last season. However, it, similar to Liverpool, Leicester have had difficulty accounting for the number of critical injuries that they've had to go through from Harvey Barnes and James Justin to James Madison being playing very intermittently. That said, with the game in hand that Leicester have as we record ahead of Leicester Crystal Palace, I think Brendan Rodgers will get them across the finish line. Uh, and and Tuchel, Tuchel's just totally flexing all over the I mean, all over Europe right now with what he's doing with Chelsea in the Champions League and here in the Premier League, he doesn't, he just doesn't seem like he's going to let this club slip either. And David Moyes and West Ham, are you, is, is, is that going to be the setup that you pick to, uh, to pip Chelsea? No, it's not. Liverpool too disjointed. Spurs don't have a manager. Everton just don't have the firepower. So uh, I think the, the best bet is the table is locked right now with City United, the other city. What a boring answer, <laughs> Chelsea. You know, I'm if, sorry, if it's boring, like, but yeah, it is. That's no, no, no. I said, I said the same. I, I said the same thing. I mean, I, I, I you know, um, if you and I were big supporters of, of of these clubs, that would be different. I mean, you're you're a Fulham supporter, and you're just kind of um, um, seeing this thing out. I mean, at this point, <laughs> I, mean, I guess. Yeah. 
What your seven? Oh. Brighton are seven clear with yeah. five to go. No, our the biggest challenge for Fulham is not finishing in nineteenth place, which almost looks like an inevitability at this point, given the form that West Brom are on right now. Yeah. I think that's actually a yeah. wilder question to think about: is is what are the positions going to be? Eighteen, nineteen, twenty, like. Sheffield United, yeah, will be 20. I think Fulham finished 19th, West Brown 18. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing um, that that you can say is that at least, um, um, like at least like the way things worked out with Brighton and Newcastle, you really, if you had won that Arsenal match, it probably still wouldn't have made a difference, right? <laughs> yeah. Even if the, even that Wolves yeah. that Wolves like that Wolves uh, win late a couple weeks before that, that would only give you an extra three points and you'd still be four, four back yeah, of, yeah. of Brighton at this point. So, um, you know, be, be, be in a tough spot no matter what. Yeah. It, I mean, as soon as Traore scored on us in that 93rd minute, we were down. That was all there was to it. And yeah. you talk about uh, like players like Bamford and Jack Harrison being fried when that Traore goal went in against Fulham suddenly the mask fell and you saw how absolutely fried every single one of those Fulham players were. And I think they're just going to continue to collapse for the rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. Don't look at, yeah. Don't look at on the beach, look at personal fatigue. (laughs) Uh, You know, I I wish, I wish Brandon would get heart monitors going, you know, you you (laughs) want to need to go to the the pitch and install some, but I mean, I think that you get that, you know, maybe to, to bring it all home here. I mean, I think that what, what, you know, there, what you had this weekend was, I mean, there were 33 weeks into the season and Chelsea and West Ham, like West Ham, a team that has, has struggled with relegation at times. Right. Um, you know, you know, in recent seasons, like they're, they're they, you know, they were playing for a Champions League spot and and and, you know, like that. Yeah. I mean, maybe inevitably it was it was it was not gonna, I mean, I don't want to say inevitably, but it was it was likely not going to work out. But the fact that they were in that position is what was so cool. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like you just like I think most fans understand I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, Michigan's, I, I, you know, went to Michigan state, I'm a Michigan state football and basketball fan. And I, our football team is never going to beat Alabama or whatever. Right. Like we're never going to like beat the top, the absolute top clubs that just like, you know, in the, in the, in college football, you know, recruiting is kind of the equivalent of, of having, you know, like um, middle Eastern oil money. Right. It's just like, <laughs> it, it just gives you such a gigantic advantage that it's very hard to overcome. I, you know, I just want to be like competitive. I just, you know, it's like, I, I want to like pick up, you know, a bunch of wins, maybe win a couple games that we shouldn't. And it's like, I don't need to be the absolute best, but I do want that juice of mm-hmm. like, we got close or we tried or we got, you know, we got into the show and, you know, we made the college football playoff a few years ago. I and mean, it's kind of like making a champions league spot. You know, it's like, you just want to, you just want to be there once, you know, totally. and just sort of like yeah. get there. It doesn't matter if you lose once you're there. Oh yeah. And, and Fulham is a great example of that. They made it to Europa league final, uh, uh right. like a little uh, more than a decade ago. It can happen. This is what was so aggravating to me about the super league arguments of pro super league people being like well what do you non-super league clubs want like what do you think you're actually competing for why do you want to preserve the pyramid and this idea that it's only valuable to be a fan and to follow a team if you're going to win a trophy some people just want to watch a game and um be electrified by it and by supporting a team Uh, you know whether you win Maybe it's just about winning that particular game, regardless of the competition or the opposition. Yeah. Some people just, I mean, p- people obviously just want to be, and I, I don't want to rehash all the 
Super League stuff again, but people just love to be part of a community and, and winning is just sort of, it has to be there. Like yeah. <laughs> you have to like, have to feel like it means something. But I, you know, I think about our, our friend, Paul Pryor, who got us tickets to uh, Lester, this Lester match last season. And, uh, you know, it was an incredible experience and walking with him there. I mean, it was like, you could really see that it was just there were, there were kids everywhere and it was a community of, of fans and people who all had known each other for years and years and years. And, and, you know, winning is just like this thing that has to be there. That's like the goalposts or whatever. Right. Like yeah. it's just, but it, it really isn't about that, but you do need to, have, yeah. it's like, you can't, otherwise you're just going to the park or something. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're like, you're not going to get 40,000 people to go to a park. Like there, have, <laughs> there has to be some stakes, even if you kind of so know. that's a Simon and Garfunkel, Josh. And, and obviously Lester won the league too. So, I mean, in some ways I'm almost picking the worst example, right? Because they're yeah. like, they won the whole thing. Right. And so you have to like, know that sometimes that's going to like, the, the, you also have the possibility of doing that. And yeah, maybe mm-hmm. it's only going to happen once every 20 years, but it can happen. I don't know. You know, it's this year was a year where that maybe could have happened. I mean, Man City were, were way back for a long time. They're going to end up winning the league with, you know, far from a record setting number of points. Right? I mean, they lost at home to 10 man leads, you know, mm-hmm. like this was a season when somebody could have, somebody could have won it. And, and, you know, clearly with, with, with Everton and Leicester uh, competing that you had a, you know, um, uh, community for champions league spot, at least, at least you, you, it felt, it felt competitive to me this season. It did not feel like, I, you know, I, there was a point where it became like, okay, very clear that Man City were going to win the league. But I, I, I found this season from a like match to match perspective to be pretty interesting. And like, you know, I didn't really know how it was all going to shake out in the end. True. And I think that's led to a lot of frustrations from fan, a fantasy point of view because it has been so wild and sure. and so competitive. And so that that's kind of where you have to be able to separate the fantasy brain from the hey, you know what? The season has actually been rewarding because it has been so uh, just one of a kind. Yeah, may it never happen again. (laughs) Please, God. (laughs) Uh, All right, well, on that note, that is our... I didn't even want to call it a game week 34 preview because it almost feels like it was a final five weeks of the season. preview. Yeah. A little discussion of, of what was to come down the, down the pipeline here. And, uh, you know, part of that is because I think, um, you know, tomorrow's Lester match will be, will be telling a little bit. I didn't want to talk about captains too much until we see what happens tomorrow. I mean, if any scores another brace tomorrow or something, I think it's gonna be very hard to resist, uh, capturing him on Friday. But uh, once again, thank you to uh, everyone who supports the podcast on Patreon or gives us a, a five star review on, on uh, you know, on iTunes or uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, Brandon, do you want to do a quick shout out to our producer patrons? Yeah, I'd love to. Big thanks to our producers, Trevor Ingerson, Mike DiPietro, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, mm-hmm. Brian T, DeBig Gaffer, Bobas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Jazz Binning, Dave Wagner Lodal. Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forberg Skogang, Paul Herzig, Kaya Christine Lalang, Andy Portlock, Toothless Given, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov, at FPL Merch, Carrie Swanson, Kieran Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, Mikey Uong, Bruce Kerr, Nicholas Vernadakis, Sam Shower, Will Husby, Rich Evans, Future Media Group FPL, Ben Sweeney, George Kinney, Shiv Morjoria, Ron Frosk, and AJ. And don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe to Always Cheating wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five star there on Apple Podcasts. That helps the podcast a huge deal. Follow us across social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're everywhere. And send us an email with your lengthy missives. Hellcheaters at gmail.com. For all of this information and more, visit our website, Always Cheating. 
www.thegreatdoctor.com. That'll do it for us, right, Josh? That's right. Thanks, everybody. Good luck this week. Bye. Poku forever. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.